Good morning. My name is Melissa Hollinger. Our scripture this morning is Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. This is the word of the Lord. So we are here today uh, talking about 12 steps to discipleship, as you well know. And I want to begin by saying something that's, well, kind of ironic. The path to spiritual growth, if we understand it, strikes us perhaps as counterintuitive, at least to the rest of life. Why do I say that? Because if I want to be better physically, I exercise. And because I exercise, I get stronger, I get faster, I get more flexible. But you know what's common about it? I do it. I create my flexibility. I create my strength by doing the discipline of exercise. Spiritual growth, on the other hand, is not because of me, but actually it's in spite of me. My wife makes wonderful dinner rolls. Everybody loves them. But I know what goes into the dinner rolls to a certain extent. I've seen it happen a thousand times. She rolls out the dough. And somewhere in the process, I'm not paying close enough attention, she kneads in the yeast. And then she puts it on a pan or a plate and covers it with wax paper and leaves it there. And the dough starts to rise. You know the dough doesn't get any credit for rising? Because it would be flatbread if it wasn't for the yeast. In other words, the dough doesn't work itself up. It doesn't do the work. Something is needed into it. And a source from the outside begins the work. So hold that thought as we think about choosing humility as a disciple of Christ. Because the discipline of service that we talked ago, the discipline of service, if you, if you were to ask us to be the least, that's exactly what Jesus was saying. I don't want you to even think about greatness. With your position, I want you to think about being the least. And how do you think about being the least? 
according to this description, through serving others who are technically less than you by assuming the role of a servant. You know what the irony is of the argument between the disciples, James and John? The irony is seen on the cross. What did James and John say? They wanted to be on the right hand and on the left. You know who was on the right hand and on the left at the cross? Two insurrectionists. It would have been James and John's immediate impulse to say, if you're against us, we're going to crucify you. And Jesus said, they're against me, and I will forgive them, as he did all humanity. It's no wonder that he told the disciples when they asked about who would be at the right and the left and who would be the greatest, he basically said, you don't understand. You don't get it at all, do you? And then he walked to the cross. That's Luke chapter 22, a bit of a rehearsal of what we went over a few weeks ago. But I want to refer you to another passage as well. Luke 22, you know how we preachers are. We use words to organize our thoughts. Luke 22, uh, for me, is labeled service. This passage in Ephesians chapter 4 Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, is about calling. Yes, the first was about calling, but it was specifically about service. In the passage in the epistle of the, to the Ephesians, we hear these words. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. How do you do that? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to build the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul said, I am calling you in another way to be what Jesus called the disciples to be, Ephesians. I'm calling you to live a life of humility. And notice humility is at the top of the list and seems to inform all the things that come behind it. Here is your calling. Be humble. Just by way of reminder, I think I referred to this as well in the Sermon on Service. In the Greek world, The word humility hardly existed to begin with, but it was never, ever used, ever used as a moral quality. It was only used as it related to servile positions. It was only used as it related to slavery. It was only used when you were looking down on something that was less than you. It was not a moral quality. 
So do you see how revolutionary this, how counterintuitive this is? Jesus says to the disciples, everything you've heard, everything you know about how to live, I'm turning it right upside down. Completely opposite of what you think. Your culture says, go to the top. And I say to you, wherever you are, top or bottom, serve and be humble. Bernard de Clairvaux, a, a, um, we'll just call him an ancient theologian, <laughs> put it this way. He said, humility is the virtue by which a man becomes conscious of his own unworthiness. I'll read it again. Humility is the virtue by which a man becomes conscious of his own unworthiness. You know, this might sound depressing, but there's actually something worse. It's to not be self-aware or conscious of your own sinfulness. Namely, it's to refuse an inward look. That is more frightening by far and more depressing in the end than looking at our sinful hearts. Carl Jung, the um, really famous psychologist, uh, wrote a book. And in the book, he uh, showed a picture of Adolf Hitler. And under the picture of Adolf Hitler were these words. This man is going to set all Europe ablaze through incendiary dreams of world domination. If you're reading the book, you flip the page. And then he tells you, those are the words that Adolf Hitler used to identify Winston Churchill. Psychologists call it projection. We project on someone else what we refuse to see in ourselves. Adolf Hitler didn't want to believe that about himself. How in the world could he not have believed that about himself? We don't know. But we do know he didn't want to believe it. He wanted to project it on another so he felt better about himself. You see, humility puts us in a position... And gives us an an opportunity to actually receive and understand to a certain extent the unmerited favor of God. That we don't deserve it, but we receive it. And if we understand the unmerited favor of God, God's deep grace, it ought to move us towards choosing humility. Put another way, looking at our deep sinfulness and accepting God's deeper forgiveness gives us the ability to experience real humility. The first word was service. The second word was calling. The third word I wish to use is perspective. And that comes from the passage that was read just a few moments ago. Therefore, if any of you 
have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, have the same love, being of one in spirit and of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, if you will think for me for a moment, you will realize how absolutely inconceivable it was that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the co-creator of all the world, stooped to the level of a servant and was incarnate in human flesh. That is inconceivable, my friend. And it's the stumbling block along with the cross concerning the Christian religion far and wide. How could God do that? How could God be birthed in water and blood just like all of you were? How could God do that. You know, if we're honest, and I ask you quietly to be honest in your heart, we're all repulsed from time to time by certain people in certain situations. We just have a revulsion towards them or towards it. We think, be honest, from time to time, that is beneath me. They are beneath me. I I would invite you to, even if it doesn't seem like that's true of you, just accept it for a moment, will you? Because it is. All of us have a little bit of that in us. The contrast to your life circumstances and mine with less respectable folks is always a thorn in our flesh. But imagine, just for a moment, imagine how much it took Jesus to do the same. He left the perfect unity and harmony of the Godhead and entered into ultimate human discord. He left the perfect love of all creation, everything, and he entered into a world of hatred and violence. He left the perfect peace of heaven. And then he entered into a world that was full of warfare. Can you imagine the shock? Although God knew, 
to one system to leave that perfection and land here? Jesus is saying to us, I did that, now you do it. I went down as low as possible, now you do it. I want you to serve me that way. That description is just a tiny imaginative glimpse of his experience. But remember, he didn't just sympathize with those less fortunate. He became one of those. And that's why Paul uses Philippians 2 as the ultimate example of humility and the way we ought to live. So in conclusion, after we see those wonderful accounts concerning service and humility, what does humility look like? Humility does not mean this. Humility does not mean that you pretend that you have the same life position that everyone else does. You might be a boss, and they might be the employee. That's just true. You may be the teacher, and they may be the student, and that's the way it's supposed to be. You may be the parent, and they, the child, own it. You're the parent. You may be wealthy, they may be poor. It sounds arrogant, but I'll say it anyway. You may be intelligent, and they may be intellectually challenged. All of those things concerning our station in life are a reality. And Jesus did not say, diminish your station, step out of your station, pretend like your station in life does not matter. He didn't do that. He said, I am your master and Lord, and now I will wash your dirty feet. Because nobody else in this room even thought of it but me. They were looking for the servant and wondering when he would come along. And he was standing in front of them. The almighty God of the universe. He didn't leave his position. He redefined it. So humility doesn't mean that you pretend like you don't have the position. It means you serve from the position that you have. Second thing to note is this. These are positions. But in those positions you can consider others better than yourself. How? How in the world? I must admit I don't know. I'm going to offer a suggestion. See if it maybe makes sense. You have a lofty position and you're charged by the gospel 
to consider those who are less lofty as better than yourself. How do you do it? Perhaps by looking at them deeply and seeing the image of God in them. Seeing what God made them to be. And admitting that they have something you do not have in spite of your position. This, it seems, is what motivated um, Henry Nouwen, famous theologian, philosopher, author. For those of you who don't know Henry Nouwen, he... um, was very well educated and uh, he was a Catholic priest. And among other things, he was invited to uh, be on the faculty of Yale Divinity School. And he stayed there for quite a while and then felt like he needed to be among the poor and he went to South America. From there, he got a call from Harvard Divinity School to come teach at Harvard and he said, okay, looking for his calling, he went there. Part of his life was to travel the world and speak because everybody wanted to hear Henry Nouwen. And then, after all those things he did and all the accolades and all the fame, he decided to move into a community and live in the community, a neglected community of intellectually challenged people with Down syndrome to serve them. I read an interview uh, that someone had with Henry Nowen about being a part of this community. And the interviewer asked a lot of questions and uh, one of the questions delivered this answer from Henry Nowen. He he said, I still get invitations to speak all over the world. But I have to say no. My community says it's more important to stay here instead of flying all over. It's more important to listen to this. It's more important to spend an evening with someone who can't speak or do anything than for me to speak to thousands of people. Somehow he got it. After all his years, he found his calling. That, that's a hard thing to accept, isn't it? I, I want to end by taking you back to the yeast and the dough. Here's what I want to say for us. How, uh, um, how do you become humble? Well, one way you don't become humble is by trying to be humble. 
C.S. Lewis, I paraphrase, said something like this. Humility comes not from thinking about how we can be humble, but when we're not thinking about ourselves at all. That's when we're humble. So how can we choose humility? How can we become humble? Remember the dough and the yeast? Let's just call the dough service, shall we? And call the yeast humility. And in serving the other, God takes the yeast and kneads it into the dough. And then, maybe, we experience humility. Not because we did it, but because we served, followed Christ's example, and Christ did it in us. Isn't that really a summary of the spiritual disciplines and discipleship? I hope so. I hope this week I can adopt it, as I hope you can as well. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you have been so kind and generous to us. In the person of Jesus Christ, you came into our lowly estate. You left the perfection of the Godhead and entered not just the imperfect part of humanity, but the the, the worst part of humanity. You experienced it all. You became it all on the cross and you you swallowed up death and victory because you were that servant because you were humble enough to step into our condition so lord this week help us to have eyes open to the ways in which we can be jesus never perfectly but opportunities where we can step in and serve and allow you to uh, fashion, hopefully unbeknownst to us, humility in our hearts. These things we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.